You're listening to an audio sermon from Redemption Church in Red Deer, Alberta. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at redemptionreddeer.ca. If you have a Bible, if you'd like to turn in to the Gospel of Luke, we'll be in chapter 1. We're going to verses 39 to 56 this morning. I'm wondering, does anyone not have a Bible here this morning? That they would lo- we love to put one in your hand so you can kind of follow along. So went, no one wants to, no takers on that this morning. So we're in, in Luke uh, chapter 1, 39 to 56 here in a moment. Continuing our series in the gospel according to Luke. Now during this season that we are in, the Christmas season, uh, many of us are going to visit family and friends over this holiday season. And for, for some of us, there's gonna be, it's going to be, like be a good visit. And for others, it can actually be really tough sometimes or like a rough visit. It doesn't always go so well. A bunch of family members that don't get together often talking about various things. And maybe for some of you, it might just be the greatest visit you've had in years. And you walk away being like, why don't we do this more often? Like great joy and, uh, and, and absolutely loving it. But I doubt you will have the kind of joy and rejoicing that we're going to find in the passage here this morning. Even if you have like the best visit you've ever had with family and friends this holiday season, I don't think it will compare to what we're going to read here this morning. The joy and rejoicing that happens as Mary and Elizabeth get together. However, my prayer is that that which we read today would grow in us. That we would live it out that we would be a people who are full of joy and rejoicing in the Lord, not just during this season, but January, February, March, like, and continuing on. But I'd also just say this, as we talk about having joy, a rejoicing, I, and I shared, I think, last week as well, the Bible says there's a time for, re, like, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And again, if this is a season that you're feeling sad for various things and you're going through a period of mourning, you're, it's not like, it's, don't feel guilty about that. You're like, man, I, sh- I should just be more joyful. We don't want to be, try to like just put a smiley face on when deep inside we're going through something really hard. We want to be real. Uh, and so maybe for some of you, it's like, it's maybe a time to mourn. But for many of us, though, it's a, it's a, it is to be a season of joy, but not just a season of joy, but if you're a Christian, if you have the Spirit of God, Joy should be in us overflowing all the time. And I want you to see that in this passage this morning. So I've called uh, the title of the the message, Joyful Rejoicing. And that's my hope and prayer that we would actually exhibit that, live that out by God's Spirit, ever increasing. If you want to stand with me as we read God's Word here this morning, uh, Luke chapter 1, 39 to 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. 
And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. Before going on again, I'd like to go before the Lord in prayer, asking for his help. Oh God, what a joy it has been to be in this passage, to meditate upon it, to think on it this week. I pray, oh Lord, I pray, O oh Lord, for your help as I, as I preach your word. I pray, God, that you would speak through me. I pray for uh, clearness as I speak. I pray for courage and boldness. I pray for all of us, Lord, that you give us open ears and open hearts. And by your spirit, you would use your word to do your work in our lives, O oh Lord. I pray you'd call people who do not know you, who haven't trusted you as their Savior. O oh Lord, open their eyes. Draw them to yourself this morning. I pray for many who maybe who are coming in here and who are, are just going through a hard time, a trial. I pray they'd be able to lay it down. I pray they would have peace in their hearts. God, give us this joy we see in this passage. Do that in our hearts, in our lives. Well, Lord, whatever we have that's maybe keeping us from being joyful people or keeping us from often rejoicing in you, minister to us by the preaching of your word here this morning. Do your work, and I pray Holy Spirit, may Jesus Christ be high and lifted up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've called this message Joyful Rejoicing. I've kind of split the sections into two, though not equally weighted. The first section, joy, a joyful greeting. The second section, rejoicing in God. I'm not, uh, I don't spend a lot of time on my titles, so I just take something out of the text, just, just being honest with you. So the first part, I want you to see this joyful greeting that happens between Mary and Elizabeth. Just looking there in verse 39, Luke's continuing this, this story. And if you just maybe remember what came before it, that the, the gospel opens up. Luke says, hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you things that are true that you can count on. We went to a bunch of eyewitnesses. It's, it's tested. And then he tells the story of Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah, and, and Gabriel appears to Zechariah about the birth of this son. He doesn't believe the angel. He can no longer speak until his, the birth of his son comes. And then right after that, we looked at last week, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her she's going to have a son. You're to call his name Jesus. It's going to be the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. He, he says in 1 verse uh, 35, the angel said to her, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Joseph is not the father. In fact, there, in a sense, there is no father. It's, it's the Son, the Eternal One, God. 
She is going to carry this child. And then, as she's probably quite perplexed in verse 36, Gabriel continues, And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, who has passed the age for childbirth, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary, in hearing this, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. So she's told this news. We don't know at what point she started carrying the child Jesus, but we do know like the next verse, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town into Judah. Like she heard the news that Elizabeth was also pregnant six months. She believed what the angel Gabriel had told her, and then she's like, she's going as fast as she can to go see Elizabeth. Not that she wasn't believing, but still, I think she wanted to go see Elizabeth, six months carrying, she didn't know the news. They, didn't, they weren't able to like, just text each other this news. It didn't get passed on to her. So she's running to go see her relative who's with child. She goes with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah, which uh, Zechariah was a priest. And so all the priests had to serve in Jerusalem. So it would have been somewhere in the vicinity of Jerusalem, up in the hills. They estimate, uh, different people estimate it would have been a two or three day journey. Uh, for where Mary was in Nazareth to the place where uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were. We don't even actually know. The town's not uh, told us. But so she goes and she goes with haste to the hell country in Judah. And look at verse 40. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And what I want you to even notice is like in the story so far, it's been kind of like... Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth have been some pretty major characters. And then now Mary is introduced, and now Mary actually becomes like the focal point. Even interesting, going to Zachariah's house, he's not even mentioned again. It could also be, I was thinking, because he's unable to speak. So there's nothing that could be recorded. He just, she, he, maybe Mary came in and he gave a wave. I don't know, right? Like he probably greeted her, but it's not recorded because he couldn't actually speak at this time. But uh, just notice that all of a sudden, Mary becomes the focal point of the passage. And not because of who Mary is, but because of who she is carrying. That's the biggest thing I want you to see. Continuing on, verses 41 to 44, I want us to see the joy from the Lord. You can't not see it as you read through this passage. Joy from the Lord. Verse 41, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary... I love, like the greeting is not even recorded, but they repeat it three times in these three or four verses. So Mary says something to Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. We'll talk about that in a second. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's significant about that, we've touched on that a little bit already. Uh, until the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that's after Jesus was uh, crucified on the cross, buried in the grave, rose again to the right hand of the Father. All the disciples were in Jerusalem praying, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them. Therein after, every believer, everyone who trusts in Jesus, has the Holy Spirit, is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's in the future at this point in time. At this point in time, there's only, like, people have the Holy Spirit for different things at different times, and usually not permanently. So Elizabeth didn't necessarily, she didn't have the Holy Spirit before, but when Mary came and greeted her, all of a sudden she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice what she says. Well, first, well, maybe what happens in her, I, I love this. Uh, 
The baby leaped in her womb. And verse 44 tells us the baby in the womb leaped for joy. That was little, I can't call him little John. I always have to say John the Baptist. I don't know, just so we know. He's not even yet born. He's going to baptize people. But it says also of John the Baptist uh, that he is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from in his mother's womb in 1 verse 15. So little John the Baptist in the womb is leaping for joy at the sound, not just of Mary, but of the one that she's carrying. Think about that. Six months Many women have felt that, the kicking, but this little baby, leaping for joy. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, so she's almost like prophesying too. Like, this baby is not just kicking, he's leaping for joy at the sound of your greeting. That's one thing that we'll see, like a number of things we want to take from this passage. When people are filled with the Holy Spirit, a fruit of that is joy, is real joy. John the Baptist has it. Actually, Elizabeth has it. Because look at this. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 42, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. I didn't even read that properly as I read the scripture. I should have got a lot louder. Exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Like she yelled it out, excited, like not in a mean way. But think about why, why was she giving such a response Think about what she just said. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Again, she's talking to Mary. Mary who just got this announcement seemingly days earlier that she would be with child. And Mary believed Gabriel. And at some point, whether in that moment when Gabriel talked to her, she started carrying Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe as she went, we don't know. But by the time she meets Elizabeth, she's carrying Jesus in her. And it's only been a few days. And and so there's this greeting, full of the Holy Spirit. The reason she greeted him this way is not because of who Mary was. Blessed are you among women. She's not saying, hey, Mary, you are so much more amazing than other people. But blessed is the one you're carrying in your womb. That's why you're blessed among women. And, And look at Elizabeth continues, full of the Holy Spirit. In verse 43, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Do you see what's being said? Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is a testimony of Jesus as Lord when he's only a few days in Mary's womb. You're full of the Holy Spirit, you're full of joy, and you exalt Christ. That's what happens. That's what Elizabeth is doing. Just think about what was already said about Jesus before he was born. We'll go to this a few times in verse 31 and 33. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, said to Mary. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Amazing. So now Mary is carrying that child that said these things to her. And now Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, calls him Lord. This term, Lord, is used often here in Luke. Leon Morris quotes out, a commentator, that Lord is used of God 25 times in chapters 1 to 2. It's an exalted title. So so Elizabeth's calling Jesus Lord. He hasn't even been born yet. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You want to exalt Christ. 
That's what is happening there. I also want you to see this. So again, she continues, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. She has to tell her what has happened inside of her. But notice this, there's no jealousy from Elizabeth. Elizabeth has, is old, advanced in years, was barren, couldn't have a child, and now is able to have a child six months in. So like childbirth coming soon. Mary comes, for sure not even showing. But Mary gets the prominence because of who she's carrying. Elizabeth isn't like jealous, like, oh, I thought it was about me. I have a child. An angel spoke to Zachariah. There's none of that. There's no jealousy. There's joy in the Lord. There's exalting. I, I love this. She's, she's actually happy for Mary. Just joy and praise. And friends, I just think in reading this, we need to rejoice in God blessing others. Often, like, may God give us that attitude that we see something good happen in someone's life and we're not like, wow, to this person, really? <laughs> Instead, we're like, praise the Lord. Even in the future, we're praying that God would move in such a way in Red Deer, Alberta, and Canada that there would just be like a, a mighty move of God that many people would be saved and lives would be changed and transformed. And what, what if it happens in another church? Praise the Lord. That we wouldn't be jealous. We'd be like, thank you, God, that you are at work. This attitude that we see from Elizabeth to Mary. I just want you to see here, this is all from the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, and as I've highlighted, there is joy. And there is a Christ-exalting desire. And again, maybe you should be asking, well, how do you get the Holy Spirit? Well, you get the Holy Spirit by believing in Jesus Christ. That he was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. That he died for our sins. He paid the price we couldn't pay. He, he was buried in the grave. He rose again. By putting your faith and trust in him, by committing your life to him, you're like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, and you believe in him, your life is transformed. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and God helps you to live a life that's pleasing to him. And of course, we do not do it perfectly. We stumble along, and there's so much grace. But we get the Holy Spirit, and part of that is, is joy. The Holy Spirit produces joy, right? Like Christmas doesn't. <laughs> and I love Christmas. I love the season. But it's like a fake joy. It's like when we put all the trimmings away and, and all the garbage away, and maybe if you got a real tree, you take it to the dump and maybe take the lights down. There was a joy, there was a, a joy that came from that. But it's almost like a surface-level joy. But I'm talking about a joy that's in January. A, a joy that's in maybe a, a cold, dark day of February. That's the joy I'm talking about. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. A joy that overflows at the exaltation and the proclamation of Christ. And so I would encourage you, if you want to have this joy, I would encourage you to continue on in the Gospel of Luke. Continue reading about Jesus Christ, the story of his birth, the life of his ministry. Be often in the scripture. Be singing these, these Christmas songs, these Christmas hymns, if you will, throughout the week. And then even during this season especially, be sharing the gospel, be sharing the, the, the joy, the love that we have in Jesus Christ as often as we can. Like, why, why do we celebrate Christmas? Like, oh, let me, let me tell you what an opportunity we have. And you, have, you get joy in doing that. You, also, you get help to do it. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Did you know that was in the Bible? Romans 15, 13. What a verse. What a promise. Oh, I just, friends, I, as Christians, like we should be the most joyful. It should just be pouring out of us. And I know it's not all the time. I don't mean like just always put on a happy face. But many times and, and often. May God do that in us. I want you to see in verse 45, speaking of all this joy, it's also because this belief that Mary has turns to blessing. Elizabeth finishes her, her kind of response to Mary with, in verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I've already mentioned it too there, that Gabriel said, you will have a child, you will call his name Jesus. Mary's like, how can that possibly be? And Gabriel says, you will be overshadowed, the Holy Spirit will do this work uh, in her, and she believes in 1 verse 38, Mary's response says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She believes. Gabriel. It's amazing because Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, when this message was given uh, to her, or to him, sorry, he questioned Gabriel. He's like, how can that be? My wife is actually a lot older. And because of that, he couldn't speak. But Mary's like, oh, not really knowing how it's going to happen, she's like, may it be done. And she was blessed because she believed. She was blessed because she believed the word of God brought by Gabriel. I want you to see that belief is tied to blessing and then results in joy. Again, all throughout the New Testament, there's, there's these promises, there's these uh, words to trust in Christ for salvation, trust in Christ for life, for eternal life. Jesus promises, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You have to believe in order to be blessed. In order to get the Holy Spirit. You have to believe. And it's not, again, just this like, I believe. I, I believe. I think I know what I'm going to do this afternoon. It's, it's much greater that the belief, again, is a surrendering, is a giving up of everything that you have. It was like, okay, I was in control of my life before. Now I'm put, like, God, you are in control. I'm believing to the extent I want to live my life for Jesus Christ and nothing else. That type of belief leads to blessing. Leads to the blessing that Mary experienced in being obedient to the word of God by believing what was spoken to her. My friends, I think there's a, a blessing in belief and believing with fresh faith during this season in the first coming of Christ that we celebrate. Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God the Son, came down to earth like, yes, this happened. This is history. That's what we're recounting. Can we, can we believe it again afresh? And I know it's like, okay, I, I know every year we hear the same thing. I'm like, God, help me. Help me to believe again. Help me to believe in a way I haven't before. Help me to be amazed. Jesus, born of a virgin. It makes the season when we celebrate such a blessing. Just think about this again. If belief turns to blessing and results in joy, friends, it, it doesn't matter what you get for Christmas. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but just think sometimes we can have hopes for like maybe this thing. We can be disappointed. Or, or, or maybe we're like, hey, we've, we've planned something. We're getting different family members again. We're not sure how it's going to go. We're, we're hoping it goes well. It could go well or it could go horrible. <laughs> It could be like, okay, I hope this, this baking goes well, this food that I prepared is going to taste really good. 
or it could get burnt, mistimed, or everything that you have planned. I don't know if you've experienced this yet. Many of us have. Like you have all these plans and exciting things and then you get sick and none of it happens. There's no joy in that. Everything you wanted to accomplish didn't happen. But the joy I'm talking about is something that's far outside of ourselves. It's something that happened in the past, that Jesus came, he was born of a virgin. We're celebrating that. So if none of those things happen that you're expecting during this Christmas season, you can have great joy because Jesus came, born of a virgin. And our joy flows through celebrating what Jesus, not only his birth, his death, burial, and resurrection. It's It's amazing. And so it's, it's not an event that, like, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. It's something that's already been done. We take great joy in that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I just pray we would take that in our hearts. That's why we can sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every, oh, joy to the world. I've just been singing that this week and loving it so much. That's why we can give a joyful greeting. Maybe not to the extent that, that uh, Mary did to Elizabeth or Elizabeth in response. But even as we're like, hey, Merry Christmas. We can actually give a joyful greeting filled with the Spirit. May God do that in us. And so that, that's the first section here, a joyful greeting. Now I want us to turn our attention uh, to rejoicing in God. But just think about this with me for a moment. There's this section. So Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And there's this exchange of greeting. And for whatever reason, in Luke, as he's narrating the story, the the gospel according to Luke, it's like time is happening. If you went before, like, uh, as as Gabriel appears to Zechariah, and then from that point, Elizabeth, now six months have passed. So she's caring for six months, and then kind of like slows down time, and Gabriel meets with a Mary, tells her this, a few days have passed. And now there's this greeting, and literally he kind of like stops the story to record this praise. And you have to think, as you read it, you're like, why is, there, why is there this focus? Why is there this rejoicing? Why is it recorded in Scripture? It's an amazing thing if you think, like the storyteller, like, whoa, whoa, stop. We're not proceeding any longer. Let me tell you what came out of her mouth after this greeting and how important it is. Rejoicing in God. The first few verses I want us to see, she is magnifying the Lord. Verses 46 and 47. This is Mary's response to what Elizabeth had to say. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. This is the first of four hymns in Luke chapters 1 and 2. There's all this praise that results from the birth of Christ. In many of our our Bibles, it'll say the Magnificat. That's uh, from the Latin version, the Vulgate. It's the first word is Latin, Magnificat. It means blessing. It's interesting, her, her song that follows, it's similar to so many other Old Testament songs where it starts with like, this is why you're praising and then continues to like give all the reasons why I'm praising. Like just praise to God first off, that's the first section. Then it just follows through, this is why I'm praising if you, if, you, if you write in your Bibles, I would encourage you, I will keep doing that. God is basically the subject line of every verse. That's what praise is. Over and over again, Mary, think about what's just been said to Mary. Blessed are you among women. Like, you're like the most blessed. And she doesn't turn and say, oh, okay. She turns all her attention to God. 
in thanksgiving. I want you to notice the, the, the God focus. Like, that's how you magnify the Lord. You get your eyes off of yourself and on to God. I also want you to notice as we go through, she quotes the Psalms a number of times. And so she has this language that's like saturated in the Bible. So when she's like wants to give thanks, she's just quoting scripture at times. That's also how we can thank God, how we can grow in praise and rejoicing by knowing the word of God. So what is she, so she says to begin, my soul magnifies the Lord, magnifies, make, makes much of, exalts, glorifies. The, I, I think this is the heart of the passage. But friends, this is the heart of our existence. This is why we were made. To magnify God, to glorify Him. And remember where for Mary the praise is flowing from Jesus Christ. That she's carrying the child. That's where this desire to magnify and to praise the Lord. But just think, if we were created to praise God, as it says here, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And in fact, it says, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It's not saying two different things. It's parallelism. It's Hebrew. It's saying the same thing twice. But so if it says, my soul magnifies the Lord, I put before you, we all have a soul. And our souls were made to worship. Our souls were made to worship God. We're the created. He's the creator. We are made to worship him, exalt him. And friends, we know if we do not worship God, we will find something else to exalt, something else to magnify. If, if not God, we'll worship ourselves. We will say, look, look at me. If you want, and even if you're thinking like, well, what does that mean to worship or exalt? It's like, where does your mind go often? Where do your thoughts go? Where do you spend your money on? Where does your time go? That's what we worship. That which our heart is drawn to is what we exalt. So it could be self. It could be stuff. Especially the, the world that we live in, the materialistic age that we live in. We, we're, we're one of the richest nations in the world. We have so much stuff. So very easily we can exalt stuff in all ways, shapes, or forms. What can help our worship or hinder it greatly, I don't have my phone in my pocket, is screens. Because it can help us exalt our stuff. We can compare ourselves to other people and to their stuff. And it takes our worship away from God. Of course, we can worship pleasure, sex. That could be where our focus is on. Sports. I was just thinking S-words. I just... <laughs> but you just think about that. For sure... In our world that we live in. And the sports can be like, oh man, it can be so dominating. Because if it's not God, we find something else. Our hearts were made to exalt something. Our hearts, though, were made to exalt Jesus Christ. Made to exalt God. That's what we see Mary doing. I love that. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Friends, I've just been like struck by this. These two verses, I can't get past them. I'm like, I, I'm like, Lord, am I doing this? I want to do this. I want to live this. It's my prayer for all of us. That will be real in our lives. Oh, may God do that in us. That's our reason for existence. 
to magnify the Lord. So Mary begins that, kind of the first part is like praise again to God. Then she starts giving the reasons for God. First, she kind of focuses in on like why she is praising God. Then she expands it to kind of why everyone should praise God. So verses 48 to 50, she's testifying to God's mercy. Continuing on, Mary says, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Think about that. All gen- from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Year after year after year, we talk about this story. So that, that's been fulfilled. She's actually, I think, filled with the Spirit, speaking this, uh, again, like a prophetic word. This is what's going to happen. What does Mary say? She says, he who has, or sorry, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. The humble estate, again, we talked about last week. She's a young girl, maybe 12, 13, 14, very young. She comes from a place, Nazareth, that wasn't even on the map. Like ancient historians, the Old Testament never mentioned. Small, insignificant place. Just a humble servant. Now she's exalted. She's testifying to God's mercy here. I love my ESV study Bible said this. God often uses people who are not great in the world's eyes to work great purposes on the earth. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. says something similar to those of us who are in, in Christ. For consider your calling, brothers. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. Consider your calling, brothers, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful not many were of noble birth but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God Mary's not boasting I want we'll see that Mary's exalting Mary from a small insignificant town Nazareth young girl we like where does she come from She's not boasting about herself. She's boasting in the Lord. Continuing on, she says in verse 49, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I love that God is holy, not Mary. Right? You never see Mary called holy. You see God called holy by Mary. And I just want to point out to you, as the angel Gabriel met with Mary, He said at the end of verse 35, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Again, so Jesus is called holy. Now Mary, praising God, calls him holy. Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God in the flesh, holy. She continues on, verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now she's testifying to his mercy. She's starting to kind of expand it. It's less about her. It's now more about others. He has, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She's actually, again, she's quoting a psalm. She's quoting Psalm 103, verse 17. I just want to read it to you. It says something very similar. Psalm 103, verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. His righteousness to children's children. Think, think about this. Do we want to be a blessing to the next generation? 
parents, grandparents, like we, we want to bless the next generation or the one after that. Of course, we'd say yes and amen. So it's, it's not by spoiling our kids at Christmas. It's by fearing God today and walking in his ways. That's how we can bless the next generation. And what I mean by fearing God is reverencing him, bowing before him, knowing he's the creator, we're the created, we're put in our place. Living like we, we know we're going to have to give an account for everything we've done so then we're crying out for God's help to do it. The fear of God. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And friends, there's, there's not a generation of people who have trusted in the Lord, who have feared God and kept his commandments that can't testify that, yes, God's mercy and his goodness are always there. Right? Anyone, any one of us who say, yes, I fear God and his mercy is for me. And I would just encourage you, actually, at Christmas time, I just was struck by this, from generation to generation. And at Christmas time, you get generations together. And I would encourage you, if you fear God and you love him, pass it on to the next generation. Spend some time telling the next generation of, of God's mercy in your life, of the goodness that you have seen. Oh, that the next generation would also fear God and walk in his ways. So Mary continues again, kind of getting even more outwardly focused, verses 51 to 53. God exalts the lowly. God exalts the lowly. She starts, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. That term, he has shown strength with his arm, is, is often used of the Old Testament over and over again. That God can do what he wants. It was used in, in taking his people out of Egypt and Exodus and, and always watching over his people. But interesting, it starts to kind of create this, uh, this role reversal we see. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. In verses 52 to 53, we see this uh, reverse of what we normally see. Think about he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Usually it's the opposite. Those who are on their mighty thrones, they remain there. No, they're brought low. Those of lowly estate, they're exalted. Even the next verse, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. It seems the opposite of what we think would happen. Because just think about this. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble estate. This, this, this uh, use of the scripture here, it kind of speaks of things in the past tense, but I don't think it's speaking of things in the past. I think it's speaking of what will happen through Jesus Christ. He hasn't yet been born, prophetically kind of looking towards the future. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. If you just think about this, Caesar Augustus, King Herod, Napoleon, the list could go on and on. I know I just had a big jump historically there. All world powers are regulated to history at some point and by most forgotten. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. But we still talk about Mary. Right? We still tell her story. He's exalted those of humble estate. As we continue on in the next couple of weeks, we see who do the angels appear to tell about the birth of the Son? To shepherds. Shepherds were the outcast of society. Like no one really dealt with them, yet they're the ones that get to find out about the birth of Jesus first. 
exalting those of humble estate. We'll see that all the time in Luke's gospel. I love how James Edwards, one commentary, commentator puts it, the almighty restructures cosmic reality through the unmighty. Humble Mary from Nazareth. Where's Nazareth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want you to see this, though. God exalts the lowly. And even this, this term, he has filled the hungry with good things, the rich he has sent away empty. Leon Morris writes this, there's a revolutionary note about filling the hungry and sending the rich away empty. In the ancient world, it was accepted that the rich would be well cared for. Poor people must expect to be hungry. But Mary sings of a God who is not bound by what people do. He turns human attitudes and orders of society upside down. We'll see this in Jesus' ministry and teaching in Luke as we continue on through the gospel. But again, I just want to point this out, that God exalts the lowly. I think it's such a major theme within Scripture. I want to remind you of what is said in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, the second part of verse 5 to verse 7. A major theme in, in the Bible. Clothe all yourselves, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What a word. That's from 1 Peter 5 to verse 7. 5 verses 5 to 7. I want you to see this again, that God exalts those of humble estate. Verse 51, he scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God's opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And you just think, what does that look like? I think as things happen in our lives, we kind of have two different ways we can go about it. Like blessings, like good things happen. We can start to exalt ourselves, like, well, actually, I'm pretty good. Look what's happened. Stand up a little bit taller. Or we can exalt God. Right? We can exalt ourselves, and pride grows. Or we're like, with humility, we're like, actually, no, I didn't do this. This was all the Lord. I'm going to exalt him. That's where humility grows. And friends, we know if you want to walk, you want to follow God, we have to do it humbly. We have to do it lowly. And truth be told, I love hearing the babies. Actually, right? If, there, if we were in a place and there was no babies crying, that's not a good thing. <laughs> not that I hope I didn't make the baby cry. <laughs> but but it's, it's wonderful to have these little ones with us. What a, a blessing. But friends, I just think that's, that's such an amazing thing. Again, Mary was said, blessed are you among women. Like above all. And she didn't say, well, actually, yeah. She's like, I want to magnify the Lord. I want to praise God. That's what we must do. We must be humble, humble because God exalts the lowly. So we must get low before him by continuing to give praise up to him. Whatever, we, whatever happens in life, even this Christmas season, we give presents to each other. Like even someone bought it for you, you're like, thank you, Lord. Praise God. We, we get together, we get to eat food. You're like, there's bread on the table, or there's turkey. Praise the Lord. He provided. You're not like, I, I did good this year. 
right? We can, we can start to take it back on ourselves. We're like, no, God's been so good. He's been so kind. God exalts the lowly. Continuing on, kind of last point, verses 54 to 56. I want to see Mary in her praise now starts connecting to the big story. In 54 to 56, so she continues, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Remember, she's only a few days in carrying this Jesus. But remember the context of what Jesus comes into. He comes into a time that uh, Judea and the surrounding areas was ruled by the Romans. Right? They, they had patrols out. All the Jewish people had to pay taxes to the Romans. They were under foreign rule. And so almost she's, she's almost speaking to that. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, in anticipation of the one who has come. And I love she takes it all the way back because he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. God keeps his promises. I just want to show you quickly. What did he say to Abraham in, in Genesis 12, 3? These promises that were made and kept throughout the history of the, of the Jews. Genesis 12, 3, this is made to Abraham. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and, though, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's this promise made to Abraham. In you or from your offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And you actually see these promises going throughout the whole Old Testament. I'll just show you one more. In Exodus 2.24, at this time, uh, the, the Jewish people are in Egypt. They're slaves. They're crying out to God. It says this in Exodus 2, starting in verse 23. During those days, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue, for slavery, came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And all throughout Scripture, God keeps remembering the promises he made to Abraham, and the list goes on, and we see it, uh, even as it spoke of Jesus through Gabriel, that he would, he would have the throne of his father David, the promises made to David that one would come through his line, the Messiah, Come to set things right. Jesus is fulfilling all these promises within the Old Testament. Mary's like just linking it to that. The promises that were made far in the past. Mary is connecting her song to God's big story of redemption. Again, I've, I've said it before and I'll just share it again. Like what is the story of the Bible? Like 66 books. 1400 years. Like there's so much going on. And, and just quite simply, it starts in creation, right? That God created everything good. He spoke it into existence. It was good. It was very good. But we know it didn't stay that way. That's the first act. The second act is sin enters in. Eve takes a fruit she shouldn't. She's, she's tempted by the devil, a snake at that time. And sin enters in. They, they, they disobey God. And as sin enters in, we call it the fall, or the curse has been entered in. And we all know this all too well. We look out at our world, we see the brokenness, we see the curse. We look in within our own hearts and lives, and we know we're broken. And we know we're cursed. 
But then why, why would you sing a song such as Joy to the World? Because the, the third act is redemption. Is that G- Jesus came, born of a virgin, to live a perfect life and to die for our sins, to break the curse, that we could have freedom, that we could have peace with God once again. Then the fourth act would be a new creation. But why is, why is she linking this? I love it. She has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. All these promises that were made that someone's going to come, he's going to set things right, are fulfilled here. And that's why we, can, we sing at Christmas time, Joy to the World. One of the stanzas says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. Right? There's, there's such great news for Mary. Because of Jesus, because the birth of Jesus, like it is literally a showstopper. In, the, in, in Luke telling this story, it's like stop everything. There's just going to be this moment of praise, of exalting the Lord, because he has remembered the promises he made to Abraham all throughout. They're going to be fulfilled. Finally, the one to come. Jesus, the Messiah. This is great news. But I, I love, even as I'm, I'm maybe building up her praise, and then abruptly, verse 56, he continues on the story. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. We, we don't know. It doesn't seem maybe that she maybe waited till John the Baptist was born. Maybe she left before. And I love someone, I think Leon Morris pointed out, well, maybe because Mary... She wasn't married yet. I don't know, at, at three, at now she's three months carrying the child. Maybe she, you know, it's, how do you explain to people what was happening? Maybe she left before the crowds came, but seemingly she wasn't there anymore. And continuing on next week, we'll look at the, the birth of John the Baptist and Zachariah able to speak. But you, you could maybe say like, well, what, what do we do with this? And again, as I said all along, my, my prayer my desire is that the, the joy that John the Baptist had as a baby, le- leaping, friends, that we would have that joy by the Holy Spirit. That the desire, that the, the blessing that came to Mary that was attached to her believing what God had said, that we would find that joy, that blessing. It's all found in Jesus Christ. Right? I encourage you, if you don't know, if you have not trusted, believe in Jesus. Trust in him. Put your life in him. Find that joy. Find that blessing. But the, and then I, I just pray, and I'm praying, and I'm seeking to walk it out. That which we find in, in 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. That for all of us who know God, that that would be true of us today, in the days to come. That we would often be magnifying the Lord, whether just quietly, or maybe you're driving in your car, just turn up the music, just belting it out with other people alone. Oh, friends, may we make much of Jesus Christ. And in December 26th, and, and January 18th, whatever the day is, may we magnify the Lord together. Let me close this time in prayer. And as I do, I'll invite the worship team to come. Lead us in song again. Oh Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for your word. 
Uh, Lord, I pray that that which is from you seal in our hearts. Help us by your Spirit to see Jesus Christ. Give us fresh faith to behold the wonder of the first coming. Lord, that those who do not know you, give them eyes to see, draw them to yourself. May we, with anticipation, look for the, his second coming. That God, in this season, give us joy overflowing. May it result in praise to you. Oh, Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.